Hey y'all, this is Allie Spears, your host of the Ag Chicks podcast, where I cultivate connections with the women who are helping feed the world. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Elizabeth Galbraith is a people developer, connection builder, and agricultural ambassador. She is a senior specialist of future talent programs at Merck Animal Health, based in Kansas City, Missouri. She grew up on a small dairy farm in northern Maryland and has been involved with various local, state, and national agricultural organizations and efforts. Elizabeth received her bachelor's degree in agricultural sciences in 2017 from Virginia Tech with an emphasis in applied economic management. She has experience in youth programming, marketing, sales, agriculture extension, and leader development across the industry, nonprofit, and academic spaces. She gave a TEDx Virginia Tech talk in 2015 as a student and has spoken to thousands of people about professional development, servant leadership, and becoming your best self. Elizabeth is committed to being a reliable, authentic spokeswoman for the agriculture community and developing young people to reach their full potential. You are back home on your family's uh, farm operation. So tell me a little bit about where that is, kind of where you grew up. Sure. So I am actually living in Kansas City, Missouri and working for Merck Animal Health, but my family was super kind and my parents told me that you can go and do whatever you'd like to do and you're always welcome back home. So I took them up on that and I am taking just a couple of days to spend some time with my family before a busy fall season. Uh, I grew up on a small dairy farm in Northern Maryland. And so we had cows for most of my life and the milk price got really high in 2007. And my dad is a smart man and knew that that meant that the milk price was probably going to drop soon and we were going to lose a lot of money. So with that in mind, he sold most of our cows and we started getting into agritourism. So pumpkins, field trips, uh, the whole nine, uh, we've been doing that since the mid-2000s. And then in 2015, we actually started brewing beer. So I'm sitting in our family's tap room, which is a pre-Civil War barn that we refurbished uh, to be a tap room and overlooking soybeans, pumpkins, corn, a beer garden. Uh, not a normal coming home, I think, view for some folks, but very grateful. Uh, so I grew up loving cows, showing cows and pigs. Uh, so the agriculture industry is very near and dear to my heart. And I'm just grateful that I've been able to work for it and work in ag uh, in lots of different ways. But again, grateful to come home and to have a beautiful view. <laughs> Isn't that so nice? I'm headed home to California uh, at the end of this week. So um, just a little bit kind of uh, towards the end of everything going on but I feel like it's so nice sometimes to go home and just like be able to like sit and enjoy like everything that you grew up around and like are reminded of it when you're home and not in kind of the craziness of daily life and I feel like that's such a unique thing um to get to go home and experience that it's very recentering of who you are, what's important to you, and uh, seeing people that you don't get to see normally. So I am with you and always grateful for the chance. And California and Maryland, both coastal states are very different, but it's also pretty beautiful in this part of the world. So I'm, I am jealous of you being from California, but also grateful for Maryland topography and how diverse it is. What are the summers like there? Does it get like insanely hot or is it pretty mild? 
honestly, I mean, it's just humid out here because yeah. we're close to the coast. Um, I would say it's probably the highest it gets is maybe like 95-ish. And that's, I, I would say low 90s is probably typically what it is, but it usually feels a lot hotter than that because of the humidity. So um, things I didn't expect is that even in Kansas City, in the middle of the country, it's still pretty humid. It's oh not as bad gosh. as back home, but uh, yeah, it's pretty I would say I've lived in lots of different parts of the East Coast, but um, this part is not as not as intense as some probably could be. Right. Yeah. I we had uh, Hereford Junior Nationals. Yeah. Gosh, that probably would have been 2010, 11, maybe we were there in Kansas City, um, yeah. and I just remember like being just so wet because it was so humid and so hot and I was like I will never live somewhere where this is what it's like all summer and here I am living in Texas so that really worked out well for me um but such a fun place to be too and I want to get into that in a second but uh how cool that you guys have a brewery like what (laughs) like (laughs) it's pretty awesome the reason it happened so I'm fourth generation on this farm um and it's about 130 acres here um and we my great my great grandfather um he his name was Russell and he had it's actually we're coming up on our 100 years of having the farm next February which is exciting um and so he actually started with pigs Berkshire pigs and like ship pigs up and down the east coast was really big into the hog world and so that's how it started my grandfather took it over and got a few guernsey dairy cows and then we kept getting more cows and like the cows and then my dad blew it up and and um and just expanded it into a really big dairy and we at one point had um around 300 cows which is pretty big for this part of the world um and so really just kind of dabbled in things. And then my brother, so I'm the youngest of three kids. My oldest brother is a much smarter individual than I am an entrepreneur at heart. And in 2013, this is funny, in his his senior year of college is the, the Maryland government passed a law and basically said, if a Maryland farmer grows some of the ingredients that they put in their beer, then they can open a farm brewery. And my brother, again, being a senior in college, who, uh, you know, the idea of a brewery sounds amazing. Right. He was like, oh, I'd love to do that. So we started growing hops on the farm in 2013, eventually started making moves to brew beer in 2015, and then 2016 worked on this barn that I'm sitting in now and the area around it and kind of transformed the property. Um, but again, we've been doing agritourism and having pumpkins and stuff before. So we had people on the farm. So it maybe wasn't as drastic of a transition as maybe someone else would have had, but um, many years in the in the making of doing this. So um, it's been really cool, but that's that's really like where it came from. And we've been pretty lucky in terms of um, we've got a great location. It's pretty far from uh, Baltimore and, and whatnot, but um, it's pretty nice to have people like have a respite from the busy city area. We're about an hour northeast of Baltimore. Um, so people drive from all er- all areas uh, to get here, which is really cool. But yeah, it's a it's a neat history. And I can tell you now, if my grandfather or my great-grandfather knew that this operation was a brewery, they would be very confused. They would be like, what? I, I don't How understand. How did they get from this uh, to that? <laughs> Yep. Yep. But they, uh, I think they'd be pretty proud of um, how much my brother has poured into the place and my, my parents and other brother have been a huge part of that. So it's just cool. I mean, really the goal is that we want to keep it in the family. And if this is the way that we can do that in a way that makes sense and um, we're going to do it the best that we can. 
Yeah, I think that's something, uh, just the fact that you guys are able to keep it in the family and continue to have it as a part of your family's history is really unique. And I think that's a good point too, that sometimes when we are dealing with family operations, the next generation has to be innovative in order to keep that yeah. operation in the family. Um, yeah. And so being able to kind of pivot and find things that work in creative ways that can continue the legacy, um, but just maybe doing it a little bit differently. So that's super cool. I, uh, yeah. I'm i jealous that you have a brewery. That's so... <laughs> to come back to. It's yes. so hard, you know, coming back and just getting getting a beer when you come home. Pretty tough, you know. <laughs> right. Rough life. Um, and yeah. then is it open year round? I know you said you guys have pumpkins and stuff. So I'm assuming that's a busy time. But it's really busy in September and October. We're open all the time. Uh, the winter months are kind of hit or miss when it comes to our hours. We just change it based on weather and um, staffing and that sort of thing. But typically most of the year we'll do rentals and people can use the space and want it uh, for whether it's like a birthday party or a bridal shower, uh, things like that. Uh, and we've hosted weddings here before. We'll probably continue to do that. But uh, it's just the summer months, obviously, are, are pretty busy. And then the fall, it's the last two weeks of September through all of October, are pretty, pretty busy. Um, and then we do a big tractor parade with the community at the beginning of December. So our busy season's usually September through early December, which is... Um, it's just, it, yeah, interesting being in the ag world where that time of year is just looks very different than just harvesting. For us, it's uh, dealing with thousands of people coming to the farm and then dealing with those people uh, having children around the farm and then drinking alcohol. Like, it's just a whole different thing than having dairy cows at one point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's a whole different ballgame of chaos. <laughs> yep, it's fun, but it is a, it is exhausting at the same time. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Um, how cool, how cool. But then yeah. also for you, like, obviously you left the farm um, to do your own thing and pursue your own dreams. Um, but what did that look like for you? Like college kind of career path, that stuff. Yeah, I think, I know that everybody probably feels really fortunate with their story, but I feel particularly lucky for every little step that I didn't realize was happening along the way. So again, my parents being super kind and saying, we want you to do whatever you want to do. You're always welcome to come home. There are not many people, I think, in agriculture in a, you know, fourth generation operation that are fortunate to do that. So I feel super lucky. With that, I grew up really active in 4-H and loved 4-H. I actually used to be the shyest girl in the world. I remember going to one of my first 4-H club meetings and I was literally wrapped around, my, I probably was like seven, six or seven years old, which is older than I should be when I was doing this, wrapped around my mom's legs being like, I don't want to talk to strangers. Like it was just not, <laughs> not my forte. So I, get, I got really involved in the 4-H program and was super involved in showing cows or county fair, state fair, um, everything in between 4-H camp, and just really felt like I became my best self in the 4-H program and all the different experiences that I had. With that, I thought, okay, I want to be my county 4-H agent. Like, that's the dream. Mm -hmm. I would love to do youth development for students and give people the experiences that I had. And I'm also like, 4-H is fun. Why would I not want to spend my whole life around right. 4-H, right? So the older I got, the more I'm like, oh, no, I, I, I love the dairy industry. I was a dairy princess. And my dad actually told me in high school, um, I can't, I think it was right after we sold a lot of our cows, but my dad said, uh, he looked me in the eye and was like, 
you like you should not pursue dairy science. He pursued dairy science at University of Maryland College Park. Um, and he's like, you should not pursue it. It's really hard and you're not going to make a lot of money in it. And that crushed me because I always wanted to be just like my dad. I love cows so much. And so that combination on top of really the idea of I love the people side of agriculture kind of made me think about extension. And so that led me to Virginia Tech where I studied agricultural sciences, which is said differently, uh, ag leadership and community mm -hmm. education. So I focused on the non-formal and the informal parts of that education experience, um, which I loved. It was super awesome. Totally up my alley, a lot more group projects than tests. That's my forte. I can do that, right? And I loved it. And I stumbled upon, my dad actually read in the furrow which is the john deere magazine in 2013 he read an article about an organization called agriculture future of america um and afa for short and he was like you would love this conference that they're talking about like you should apply for this well i missed the deadline that year and ended up going the next year on behalf of virginia tech to experience it for the first time and it just completely changed my mind i mean i i walk, or i guess blew up everything that I thought of when it came to ag. I knew Mid-Atlantic really ag, like Maryland, PA, mm -hmm. Virginia, um, but I didn't know like national ag. And so I see names like John Deere, DFA, um, the Andersons, like all of these really big national companies on the wall. And I was like, wow, I am not worthy of being here. <laughs> Had a complete imposter syndrome moment, right? Of like, oh my gosh, why am I here? I'm just a yeah. girl from Virginia Tech, right? And having exposure to those companies, realizing that corporations are full of humans uh, <laughs> and realizing that you can have an impact on in agriculture in a different way, um, I basically was like, I want to explore what options are out here. And so I, I thought about it and my dad's seed salesman, his milk truck driver, his veterinarian, all of them had really big impacts on our family. But I never thought about them as careers until I went to this AFA Leaders Conference in Kansas City. And so with that, I, um, I was like, I, I think I want to do something else. And I had never heard anyone be sad about having sales experience. And I knew that I was a people pleaser. I needed more of a backbone and I needed to negotiate more. Um, and on top of that, I didn't have a lot of crop experience. My dad used tractor time for himself and that was his quiet time and I helped with animals. So I knew more about animals, but I was like, these crop companies have really good sales training programs. I'd love to learn more about sales. I'd love to learn more about crop protection and crop production. And so I ended up my first job, uh, I actually interned for AFA right after college. Um, and then I uh, went to work for um, BASF in their sales and marketing development program. And the funny reason I, I mentioned AFA, I actually got that job because of doing my elevator pitch in an elevator at that leaders conference that I had imposter syndrome at four years before. Um, and so it was just a really cool moment of, I felt like I continuously was just being put in the right place at the right time and took the opportunity to kind of advocate for myself. So I did that opportunity and, and ended up selling seed and crop protection at BASF in North Carolina and Virginia um, for a couple of years. And then after that, uh, my job, I actually went back to AFA and coached, trained and selected their national officer team called their student advisory team and had an incredible experience doing that. Um, and when I was at that job, my opportunity at Merck Animal Health um, came open and I knew the person in this position before me and a person in my life said, hey, I think you'd be really good at that position. 
And I was like, but I love my job. Um, and that person said, but you'd be really good at it. And I was like, okay. So I just interviewed for it. And the more that I got in the interview process, I was like, oh, I would really like this job, which leads me to still being in Kansas City uh, in that area. But this is more of managing the intern program and managing university relations and working with really talented students in partnerships like with AFA and Manners, which is Minorities in Agriculture, Natural Resources and Related Sciences and the National FFA organization. So I get to do all of my favorite things of connecting people and, and helping students believe in themselves, uh, but also being on the, the other side of it, of not just encouraging students like I did at AFA to go to these programs, I'm actually creating that experience for students, which is so rewarding and so cool. Um, so a lot of, lot of twists and turns that kind of led me to getting here. But again, a lot of people just kind of nudging me and encouraging me, which I think was, um, I'm very grateful for. So very, very blessed in that way. By Ranchers for Ranchers, together let's make ranching easier. Previously known as Cattle Back Box, Strayhorn has rebranded to better match their ability to push the envelope in creating innovative animal management products to serve the ranching community. Strayhorn is rooted in tradition and ranching legacy, but they believe in the opportunity of looking at things with a new perspective to drive the industry forward. Check out all of the things that Strayhorn has to offer you and your herd. I think you have such a uh, unique story in terms of like, obviously how you kind of got to where you are, but also taking that route and really leaning into the route of like, you enjoyed being around people. Although you liked the ag livestock side of things, like you really went the people route. Cause I think a lot of times when we think about careers in agriculture um, and we think about like, oh yeah, I enjoy agriculture. I have a passion for agriculture. We think about those livestock kind of driven or those crop driven type of roles where you're in a tractor or you're feeding cows or chickens or pigs or whatever the, whatever the situation may be. Um, but I think it's important to talk about the fact that at the end of the day, ag is a people business, right? I mean, we have to interact with people because the livestock can't talk to us. The seeds can't tell us, you know, (laughs) what's going on with them. Uh, we have to be able to communicate and speak with the people, um, that are helping to feed the world in different facets and whatever capacity that kind of looks at. Um, so I think your insight and your journey is is unique and I think that that is something that is important to talk about um, for anyone listening who may be trying to find their place in the industry. Uh, there's lots of opportunities out there and I think also just knowing that the plan doesn't always uh, have to follow step one, step two, step three, right? It can kind of be oh, an evolving gosh. process. Oh yeah, I if you would have asked me, I mean, 18 year old Elizabeth was so convinced I was going to be my county extension agent here in Hartford County, Maryland for the rest of my life. I was so convinced of that. And then you talked to 21 year old Elizabeth and she was like, well, I'm not really sure, but we'll figure it out. Uh, And then I thought, you know, uh, when I was doing my, my sales job, I thought I would do something like that for a while. Um, I didn't do it for as long as I really even wanted to, because the AFA opportunity landed my lap, Thought I would be doing that for a really long time. And Honestly, I've had what I would consider this job and my previous job, dream jobs before the age of 30. And for me, that has been a lot of moments of, oh my gosh, what could possibly be next, right? But I never thought about where I am now. And so I just kind of, 
leave it up to God to say, hey, whatever happens, happens, right? You just have to continue to work hard and put yourself out there, uh, put your best foot forward and opportunities I think will come if you kind of trust the process. But um, there is what I've learned just in my early career is that you can, it is great and important to have goals, but you've got to be flexible with them. And um, gratefully, uh, I've got parents that are supportive of me being geographically flexible, which maybe is not the, the luxury for everyone, but um, I do, I do think flexibility is super, super important, but again, there's no, there's no straight line in careers and anybody that tells you is lying. <laughs> well, I think especially in agriculture too, right? Because somebody knows somebody that's going to connect you with somebody else. And then it kind of all becomes a snowball effect sometimes too. Yep. yep. Um, Amen. Uh, so with your role at Merck, I know you kind of told us a little bit about kind of the internship side and developing people, um, but what does it look like, and this is probably a hard question because I feel like nobody's job looks exactly the same on a day-to-day -day basis, but what does your role look like in kind of a, maybe a week uh, of what kind of happens? Yeah, that I love jobs where I'm not doing the same thing every day, so Me too. you nailed that. Um, I would say... So typically, so I'm a, I'm in a hybrid role, if that's helpful, when I go into Kansas City and our office in Lenexa and the Kansas side, um, three days a week when I'm not traveling. So it depends on the time of year, but I'll just kind of answer for right now. Right now, I'm busy in career fair planning. We're going to be okay. at about 20 different career fairs and partnership events uh, over a two-month period. So I'm coordinating, getting the right people to go to those things, and then um, making sure that they're prepared to talk about our internships and what our company does and that sort of thing. So doing that, um, getting ready, just partnership logistics for AFA, FFA, and Manners, and, and planning our booth at the, each of those events. Um, I'm also talking to different people internally and externally about what our internships look like. So I'll meet with lots of different schools, their career offices and the colleges of agriculture or something similar. Um, I'll also meet with um, people internally that maybe work on the human health side of Merck that they're going to career fairs and I want to make sure animal health has a representation there and resources or people. Um, so that's a little bit about what that looks like. Um, in addition to that, sometimes I'm like, I actually go to career fairs and partnership events. So I spend a lot of time meeting hundreds of students, which is super fun. Sometimes I, um, at certain schools, I'll give extra presentations to smaller groups of students or, or travel to an event at a campus for some things. Um, and a lot of my time really is just kind of communicating our internship program with other folks. And, you know, our internships literally left on August 11th and we are already knee deep in planning for 2024 and our internships will go live the day after Labor Day. So there is never a stop in the internship planning or in university relations and our partnership events happen year round as well. So my job is really a unique mix of working with our highest leaders about our strategy when it comes to recruiting diverse talent across the company and working day to day with the people that help make that happen. So they go to career fairs, they go to partnership events, or they're going to have an intern, whatever it might be. So I think that's my favorite part of my job is I get to work with some of our highest level up leaders and, and help them achieve their goals and achieve company goals while also empowering people to do it and do it in a way that makes sense to them. If maybe they're an alum of a university and um, they're excited to go back to Iowa State for the career fair and I can like help them harness that, right? So my job 
um, in both a, it's a double-edged sword of people feel most passionate about my job. I love that I went to Virginia Tech. We don't go to Virginia Tech a lot because uh, our market there is not as big as it might be somewhere like near Kansas or Iowa or Nebraska. And so people feel really passionate about the schools that we go to. They feel really passionate about FFA or Manners or AFA if they were a part of those organizations. Um, but it's just really funny to me of like people are gung-ho about it and I, I love getting to harness that energy in a way that um, is special to them so that's a little bit about what it looks like day to day lots of correspondence with students and, and uh, folks at universities and a lot of just internally trying to um, get our stuff together in the sense of we want to make sure that students when they experience anything with us it's a good experience right. so that comes down to a lot of logistical planning uh, but yeah hopefully that answers your question but very much depends on the year and, and lots of industry event travel as that event um, schedule kind of picks up yeah for sure and what a cool job I'm like sitting yeah. here thinking about like all the cool stuff that you get to do um, yeah. and the fact that you not only get to travel and meet so many incredible people, but also like, I think the challenge and challenge in a good way, I'm, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. um, challenge of getting to work with different personalities and really helping yeah. them kind of achieve um, and navigate their success, really. Yeah. yeah, down from students to like highest level leadership. It's just yeah. a it is such a cool perspective of, um, I also get to be the person that kind of helped translate between generations, right, of teaching folks when they go to career fairs, hey, this is what Gen Z likes, this is what Gen Z cares about, which is honestly one of my favorite parts of my job because I, I've loved interacting with students so closely. So um, it's cool to bridge the gap in between the two as much as that sounds like a cheesy and cliche uh, just phrase when it comes to ag, I think, but there very much is a difference in how people interact in a workplace and teaching students of, hey, you need to check your teams and your emails on a routine basis. It's not like when you're in school, you can check it once a day and get away with it. That's not what we're doing here. Right. You got to communicate with us, right? So it's cool to, it's challenging, yes, in your point, but it is also super rewarding. Awesome. That's, yeah, such a unique role. Very cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have some other outside passions as well in terms yeah. of you've uh, had a TED talk. Like, okay. <laughs> yep. Tell me about that. How, like, again, <laughs> how cool. <laughs> Yeah, I I really love uh, giving presentations and public speaking. I, again, from a really, really shy little girl, you would have never expected that out of me. I'm really fortunate to have had a lot of just exposure to speaking and that came through 4-H, that came through being a Dairy Princess and a Farm Bureau ambassador and, and everything. So I don't know, it's not normal for people to be excited to be in front of a crowd. So I realized I guess when I was in high school or college, I'm like, oh, I like this. Most people are terrified of it. And don't get me wrong. I get nervous. That just means that you care, right? right. But it's very different. Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm like energized by this. This is awesome. So when it comes to the, the TEDx Virginia Tech talk, I um, I had a chance to go to Tanzania in, with the Maryland 4-H program uh, when I was in college. And I really learned a lot about that experience. And it just really proved to me that service is really, um, what I think the way that I phrase it in the, in the talk is like, service is really universal. And service is this concept of service is really about doing things for other people, not about what people and what other people receive from you, not what about other people see of you doing and not the reward you get. And I went to a college where service is at the heart of the motto. And so Virginia Tech is really, um, their motto is, which is that I may serve in Latin. 
So it's consistently this idea of how do you put other people before yourself? And then I tripped to Tanzania, really exposed me to that. I say all of that, the opportunity again, I just really lucky. Um, so it was 2015 and I was a junior in college. I was the only student selected for that opportunity. Um, it, the rest of it, it was professors um, really. And aside from that, um, it was just a really, really cool. So the process is different for every I think TEDx event, but basically um, you get either nominate yourself or someone else. And then you technically have to apply based on what would your talk be about? How does it relate to the theme of the event? And then from there, you put together an abbreviated version of what your talk would be. And then they select you or not, and they give you a time slot if you are selected, but you can't tell anyone for months. So that was hard. But what I actually remember, I remember, um, again, just an element of when you it was always a dream of mine to do it. I never thought that I would get it at that age. Um, and it was at Virginia Tech. I never thought the opportunity would be easier in a sense. Like I, I can do it in another city, but it was at my campus. Like it was just easy. Um, let's be clear, the process was challenging. But uh, all that to say, I remember during exams, I actually caring more about my TEDx, like abbreviated talk, because it was, they basically had you do it in early May when exams were happening. And I remember practicing out loud in our ag quad at like midnight. Um, and I probably looked like just the most loony tune of a human talking out loud, walking around. Like I probably looked like I was a little bit possessed, like something was <laughs> happening, but and kind of like reasons, right? When it comes to yeah. livestock, right? Like it's just the idea of getting it out loud and I lived with people and I couldn't do it, right? So I did it really late and uh, the hard work paid off and I'm, you know, I'm super, super proud of how I did. I'd love to do another one. Um, in my life just feels a little bit unreal that it happened that early in my life but uh it was the coolest experience ever and my family came down um and had so many friends that I loved so much there with me and honestly that was more rewarding than anything it's just having the people that I cared about seeing me chase a dream and um now I mean on the on the side of my job I love to pursue coaching and speaking uh outside of that and helping everything with resumes to how to give and receive feedback with confidence to how to be a great teammate. I mean, all of us talk about how to be a great leader in charge, but no one talks about how do you lead alongside folks, right? Uh, so I care a lot about doing that and love doing that and have certainly aspirations of, of writing a book at some point, hopefully soon, um, but love writing, love speaking, and um, gratefully get to use some of those skills in my job day-to-day uh, -to -day too. And I think all of those things are important. Uh, this is going to sound like, oh, the next generation, um, which I'm not meaning it to sound that because I'm not that old myself. But I think working with college students on a daily basis, I think there is an element to where we've lost the little bit of um, human interaction for sure. Yeah. And so I think the next generation, again, having those skills is super important. So um, in your role, not only with development of individuals, but also professional development, I think is a key thing there as well. So, yeah. uh, well, I hope you get that book done because I want to read it. So <laughs> have you Thanks. started I got it? A, I got a lot of ideas, but I need to probably narrow down my focus before I start writing. But thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. Well, um, when it when it gets written and done, you'll have to let us know because we'll have to loop yeah. back into this episode. Um sure. But no, exciting stuff. So again, I want to say thank you because I know you are gearing up for crazy season. Today is the first day of school here at Texas A&M. Um, yeah. So I know that career fairs and all of that are literally, like you said, right around the corner. Um, so thanks for taking time to chat with me. But that being said, 
Is there any like piece of advice that you would give to somebody who maybe wants to be involved in agriculture, but doesn't really know what that looks like? Mm. Any age is uh, this right? Let's go or particularly with, a student. Let's go with maybe college, like, like they're going into their senior year, don't have a job lined up, that kind of sure. age. A consistent theme at which I've seen hiring decisions happen for college students, whether it's for internships or right out of college, is usually not for the experience that you have, but it's about your hunger and your willingness to learn. And so if you can bring the attitude, we can teach you anything. So if you can bring the willingness to ask questions and to be curious and to say, I'll go out of my comfort zone. And if I stumble, I'm not going to say fail. Um, I'm a big Simon Sinek fan. And Simon Sinek, there's a, he has a quote about um, failing and, mm -hmm. and calling it falling instead, because when you yeah. fall, you get back up. I think that's really important for anyone in their career. But I, as a, for what it's worth, as a girl who grew up on a dairy farm, I never thought I would be back in the animal health industry, and I never thought that this job existed. So as with that said, I'm grateful to be back, but I know how hard it is to get into this community and how um, exclusive it can feel just based on how, how much people appreciate the heritage of, like me being a generation. I love this fact, but it's a gift that I get to share with other people rather than keep from other people and um, find the people who are willing to share it and just ask questions and be curious and, and show up time after time because that is where you gain respect in this industry is people that actually do what they say they're going to do. And if you can be willing and curious about it along the way, um, you will you will reach success. It doesn't matter what uh, what experience you do or do not have. I love that. Yeah, sometimes it's just just about putting in the work. I love that. So mm -hmm. yeah. um, all of well, us could get better about that. Not even people who don't have ag experience. <laughs> right. Yes, I know. Yeah, that's that's for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. But if somebody's wanting to connect with you, what is a good way for them to do so? Sure. I am really active on LinkedIn. By nature of my job, I post a lot of positions, but post a lot of content as well. Um, so LinkedIn is a great way to get in touch with me. And then I also have a website that functions kind of as a blog at the same time. Uh, I've been taking a little bit of a hiatus this summer just for some breathing room, um, but that's elizagalbreth.wordpress.com. So LinkedIn and that, but both are great places to reach me. And um, if not, I'm super happy. For, there's a contact page on there for people to email me and contact me so um, that's a good place to start and then we're happy to continue any conversation because I love chatting with people <laughs> perfect well thank you Elizabeth I really appreciate it and I can't wait to uh, see all the incredible things that you continue to do and read the book one day awesome thank you and thank you for doing this podcast and celebrating women in ag because I think it is important that we as women lift each other up so I appreciate everything that you're doing and can't wait to see the ripple effects of what's to come with that um, because I just know it's very, very important. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Ag Chicks for more agricultural related content. And also be sure to check out your favorite podcast here from www.agchicks.net. We'll see you next time.